on this episode of Team Building Saves the World. You know, I, I read all the books, I, I practiced all the mantras, I did the stance, and I still don't feel confident. I must be really screwed up. <laughs> right? And we go to that place. And the problem is we've been doing it all wrong. If you want to really drop your self-confidence quickly, go to pretending and pretend you're not pretending. <laughs> <laughs> To just like take time and be stupid. Yeah. You have to learn to not be afraid of looking stupid. Understand that sometimes looking stupid is exactly what is needed. Yes. And team it's me your old friend rich renanzan host of team building saves the world the show where i speak to the leaders and innovators in employee wellness and corporate culture on how it reflects in the world of today and today we're building confidence with leadership coach and old friend of the show asia babieska hadid but first i need to share some love with the rest of my supporters at team bonding if your team is ready to experience teamwork through the power of play then visit teambonding.com to learn more now, team, join me in welcoming back to the show my guest for today, founder and CEO of Bridgewell LLC Professional Services, Azia Bribieska Hadin. Azia! Welcome back. Thank you. It's so good to be back. It's so good to be back, Rich. I even it's gathered been- those same people to tie up under my desk to applaud you. Oh, I love it. I love them. Send them my regards. <laughs> will do all right so we are talking confidence now that seems like such a vague innocuous thing to start with how would you define confidence and especially in the workplace why is it so important yeah i love talking about confidence i mean you you know this but there are a couple of ways that i like to talk about confidence okay right because usually confidence a lot of folks and i say well how confident are you they might like to answer with uh, something like, well, it depends, right? <laughs> so what they're trying to tell me is that their their confidence or meaning how certain they are that they can show up in a certain way, mm-hmm. you know, kind of engage fully, things like that are really dependent on um, something else. And so it's funny, I was just having a conversation with someone and this will get to my my definitions of confidence because I want to make a couple of distinctions here, if that's sure, okay. Sure, sure, yeah, please. Just talking to someone on a consult, and this happens so much. Uh, I was having a consultation with a new client and I asked him to rate his confidence on a scale of one to 10, 10 being best. He said, oh, nine, 9.5. And I said, oh, okay, that's great. And we talked a little bit about what had him say that. And I said, well, I, I gave him a situation. What about when you're in a room with people that fit X description or who know a lot more about the subject matter than you do, or your, or the subject matter is completely foreign to you? He said, oh, no, no. Well, in that case, I, w- I would rate it about a four. And I thought, okay, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Because he, it's such a common experience. That's so funny that, that people respond that way. Mm-hmm. And so I like to break it down and think about it in two different ways. One is what I refer to as the confidence that comes from your past. Kind of like, I know the subject matter. I know these people. I know what to expect. I've done it before. I can do it again. Like, you know, I have some evidence of success. 
I can do this again. We're good. I refer to that as circumstantial confidence because it's circumstantially motivated, right? So if kind of all the factors are in place, you feel confident, you know, and when you feel confident, that means that you don't have that voice hijacking your, your thoughts and your brilliance and how you engage and how you show up. So you're not all weird and, and awkward and all that stuff. Right. That's not going on in the back of your head because, you know, there aren't all those additional doubts popping up. Right. So confidence really is just your your belief and your ability to be successful at whatever it is. Right. Filling in that blank. Sure. But it's often circumstantial. I like to distinguish circumstantial confidence from what I call real self-confidence and real self-confidence is independent of who's in the room. It's independent of uh, your expertise on the subject matter or whether that's your domain. It's independent of whether people are being nice to you Mm. or whether they're raising eyebrow or whether they're kind of cynical. Like it's not dependent on someone else, like your ability to show up and basically decide you have your own back and can figure it out, right? No matter what it is that shows up is really not dependent on other people or whether they're being nice or whether you know the subject or whether, you know, they are trying to trip you up or whatever it is that's going on. So I know that was a really long answer, but I wanted to distinguish those because I think we get totally tripped up (laughs) in ourselves, right? Absolutely, yeah. When certain people are in the room. Right. Or when certain topics are being discussed. Right. Or when something is on the line. Yeah, go ahead. But what is the difference um, when it comes to the workplace? Like, how? why is this so important in the workplace? Oh, th- this is, like, this is it. Like, this is critical. Because when you think about it in a workplace, your, your brilliance, your ability to contribute, your ability to connect, your ability to, to think strategically and logically, and just really bring all of your expertise with you mm. needs to be accessible to you, not just when everything is going according to plan and when you kind of know what to expect and when people are playing fair and being nice, but I actually argue that is even more important when things are not going according to plan, when people are not playing nice, mm-hmm. right? And people are trying to trip you up. That's when it really matters that you're able to show up and bring all that brilliance, bring all that expertise, bring that background, that perspective and, and engage completely as opposed to getting tripped up tripped up in our heads with, oh, should I say something? What's right. so-and-so going to say? What does that raised eyebrow mean? What, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm just not going to say anything. So would you say this is the definition of real self-confidence versus the circumstantial? Yes. Yes. Being able to show up completely, being able to contribute, being able to support, being able to ask the questions, mm. even if you're afraid you look stupid. Right. And here, here's the thing. So much of what my clients say is in their way mm-hmm. is their perception of what other people are going to think about something. Right. Okay. And then I am like, wow, perception is so tricky. Yeah. Right. Because there's my, you know, how I perceive things. There's how I think you perceive things. <laughs> and then there's how you actually perceive things. Right. And so, but a lot of the decisions we're making are on that second one, right? How, how I think you perceive things, which of course, I don't know, last time I checked, I really, I could not read minds and it, I'm not very good at it. Like I, I haven't figured out that part. So 
yeah, if we can set that aside, we can stay in the moment, right? Like that self-confidence allows us to stay in the question of what's most important here. What are we trying to accomplish here? It's the difference between walking into a room and asking yourself, I wonder what they're going to think if I say this, or I don't want to look stupid and having that be the driving thought, or, you know, you can see on the board behind me, what's driving your decisions, right? right? And having that be what's informing what you ask or how you show up or how you speak up, what you have, what you say versus same room, same meeting, right? Same either expertise or lack of expertise, but you're walking and thinking, huh, I wonder what are some of the most important concepts here? I wonder what might get us to the finish line faster. Mm. I wonder why this didn't work last time. Or I wonder how we how else we could look at this or what questions I can ask to, to clarify and bring, you know, the dots together, right? Right. Any of those questions, think about it, Rich. Any of those questions are going to have our brains showing up in a different way than thinking, I don't want to look stupid. Well, let's back up just a quick second and think about right off the bat, just for any listeners out there, anybody on my team, how will they know if they have true self-confidence? or if they need more. Yeah, I love that. So I encourage people to distinguish whether they have true self-confidence mm-hmm. by finding out whether they'll be hijacked if something doesn't go according to plan. Ah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So if you're going to be totally thrown off your game because somebody doesn't agree with you or somebody asks a kind of critical question, then there's a good chance you're defaulting to that you know, circumstantial self-confidence, right? right? Where everything has to be going on according to plan. Everybody's playing nice. You know what to expect. Everything makes you look good. It's it's all good, right? So I, I feel confident. And then take that to the other side where when you have true self-confidence, mm-hmm. of course, you're a human being. So you're still going to get, you might get a little frazzled. You might get embarrassed. You're like, oh, I said the wrong word or the PowerPoint didn't right. work or whatever the case is. But then you get back to, Okay, so what's most important here? Okay, that's right. These were the three things I wanted to make sure we talk about. PowerPoint's not working. Let's get through this. Okay, you guys, here's what there is to do, right? Great. It gets us back into our game. We can get back into our game. But really the the biggest, what did I say? The best tool you can use there, in my opinion, is putting purpose over praise. Gotcha. And yeah, what I mean when I say that is, you know, again, I keep going back to like what's most important here, but yeah. you know what there is to accomplish in that room. So you walk in with a purpose in mind, an intention in mind, an outcome, right? A shared outcome that you know we're trying to get to. And that is going to carry us a lot farther than walking in trying to get it right, right? Because as soon as we walk in trying to get it right and something doesn't go according to plan, we're left completely off our game we're completely derailed and it's hard to recover okay so are we trying to say that it's a measurable experience or expertise because what because it sounds like to me what you're saying is you can tell you have self-confidence if you have good crisis management that's a way to that's a way to put it i don't actually necessarily think about it that way but i think that's really a good way to put it okay might be good crisis management but i would actually even bring it back and say good uncertainty management. Okay. Right. Cause confidence is often tied to 
our level of certainty in whatever it is that's going on, whatever we're going to do, whatever we think is going to happen. Mm. So I, I think what needs to happen is we need to be able to divorce our sense of confidence and how we're how we're able and, and willing to show up from certainty. You can be completely confused and still confident. Right. And so, you know. so the question, I guess, that everybody should be asking by this point is, is this a learnable skill? Or is it just something we're born with or that happened when we were young and it's just that's how it is. Now you have to learn how to deal with what you've got. Gosh, I believe wholeheartedly that it's a learnable skill. Oh, good. Or I, else you'd be out of a job, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, I'd be, I'd be out of a job. But <laughs> I, I think back and in all seriousness, I was really good as I look at myself, you know, 20 something years ago when mm. I was in business school. And here's the thing on the outside, it might've looked like I was really confident. Yeah. In fact, I was class president of my, my, you know, the USC uh, business school, you know, student program. And I, I got one of those coveted management consulting internships, probably had the highest starting salary of my class. Nice. Now, all of this, Rich, just to give you perspective, when I was the only black woman in my entire class mm. of 200 people. This is in Los Angeles, right? This is at USC in Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. But that was just the, what was happening at the time. Okay. So to say that there was a chip on my shoulder and that I was always questioning myself is an understatement. <laughs> right? sure. so, so I would do what a lot of us do today and what a lot of us oftentimes have been trained to do, which I think is kind of backwards, but it's, I went ahead and started chasing credentials and chasing kudos and chasing validation, right? So what essentially what we often default to is trying to fill our self-esteem gaps or voids with somebody else's temporary approval, right? Mm. So if something's not going according to plan, if we're not feeling very confident, we're not feeling capable or whatever the case is, and we're thinking I'm not enough, you know, you go out and you get another credential, you get another certificate, you publish another article, you, whatever the case is, right? But mm -hmm. in essence, trying to chase those gold stickers, that doesn't work because it's temporary. Like that is not something that works. Right. And yet here's the thing, people will actually go out and do that. And then they'll practice all those confidence tricks and tactics. Like we'll do the superhero pose before a meeting you know, repeat your mantra to yourself. And, you know, I don't, I don't want to bash those too badly, but the challenge is that when we go to that place of telling ourselves affirmations, we don't believe mm -hmm. our brains know we don't believe it. Right. right? And all, all you're doing it's, is reinforcing self-doubt in that case. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And then we get to that point where, Hey, well, I already did all the things you know, I, I read all the books, I, I practiced all the mantras, I did the stance, and I still don't feel confident. I must be really screwed up. <laughs> right? And we go to that place. And the problem is we've been doing it all wrong. Okay. Really, that that ability to grow our confidence, I always say it, it starts in this way. It always starts from the inside in, in terms of your values, but in terms of the things that we need to do. Mm -hmm. We need to get clear on what's most important and it can't be us. So that's number one, sure. right? When you're, we're walking into a room, what's most important can't be us, right? There needs to be a purpose outside of us, because let me tell you, even the most confident person in the world, if they walk into a room thinking, I really need them to like me, mm. they're not going to show up the same way. Well, I want you to show back up for me just one, one quick second, because I do need to step aside. I need to tell all my team out there about a company I'm so proud to be a part of, Team Bonding. 
Team bonding was founded over 20 years ago with one simple question. How can employees have a great time while fostering strong, authentic bonds between people who work together? They've created a catalog of innovative events using the power of play as a learning tool and tapping into the correlation of work and play. From scavenger hunts to Jeopardy and so much more, the team bonding of activities, whether they're live, virtual, or hybrid, maximizes the impact of team building with an accent on fun. So visit teambonding.com to schedule your event now. Team bonding, when you want seriously fun results. And we're back talking about confidence with Asya Berbieska Hadin. So how do we build confidence? I mean, we've talked briefly on what not to do. If it's not working yes. for you, then don't keep doing it. So what what could work? What's a simpler way for someone who wants to get that foot in the door of their own self-confidence? Figure out what's most important. What's most important here? That, that is literally one of my favorite questions in the world. What's most important here? Because it keeps bringing us back to why we're doing what we're doing. Okay. You know, the challenge is the answer can't be looking good or being impressive. Right. Right. So it, it's funny. I, I just had a conversation. This is now a few months ago uh, with a client when we first started working together. And he said, you know, I have a problem connecting with people. I don't know what is that's going on. And so I'm having a conversation with him. I'm like, you have there's no communication issue. Mm-hmm. Right. We engage really well. So tell me a little bit what it is. What is it that you're thinking or what, what is it that you, you want them to think or feel when you're meeting new people? He's like, well, I want them to be impressed. I'm like, oh, (laughs) so see, connection is about the other person. Right. Being impressive is about you. So, (laughs) you know, I I bring that up just to reinforce because I know it sounds so simple when I say it. But what's most important here? You can't pretend that you're trying to connect when in reality, what we're trying to do is impress. That is a sure way to mess up. I have our confidence, you know, throw it for for a loop. Mm. Because it's it's caught up in this weird convincing energy instead of staying in your head, leveraging your brilliance and figuring out what's most important here now. Okay, that didn't work. All right. Now, what do we need to do? Is there a certain level of the other side of the equation that other person is able to pick up that lack of confidence that that not not desperation to come across as impressive, but the intention is not based on what the conversation is. You're trying to instead get me to feel something for you. Yeah, well, I don't know. You tell me, right? <laughs> so if you, you've ever been in a situation, and I think we've probably all experienced this at one point or another, where you're talking to somebody and you're like, okay, they, they're saying all the right things, they're doing all the right things, but something just doesn't feel right. You know what it is that just doesn't feel right is that they're pretending to do or be one way, but they're, their actual intention is something else, right? Right. When your intentions don't line up with your actions, that's a sure way to keep you out of confidence, Mm. right? Because it's pretending by definition, you're pretending. And if you want to really drop your self-confidence quickly, go to pretending and pretend you're not pretending. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now you're talking to an actor. Now I understand I what you mean. Okay, yeah, your brain goes for a loop, right? Like, you know when you're pretending, so it's all good. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Pretend you're not pretending, right? And you throw yourself into this other mess, and people are like, what is he doing out there? Um, but yeah, definitely. I mean, we even have a name for it, right? That used car salesperson vibe. But 
how do we get, what can we do or what can we help them to do to get even get started? I mean, how does one even recognize that, that they're not using the correct intention? It's by figuring out what's driving your decisions. I know gotcha. that sounds funny because that's why it's on the board behind me. Yeah, yeah. But it's really about figuring out what's driving your decisions. Okay. Is what's driving your decision and that action you're taking or the way that you're engaging that, again, in, in the case I just gave you, that you're trying to connect with someone or is what's driving your decision that you want to look good in their eyes. Right. right? It's what's driving your decision that you're trying to contribute your knowledge to this meeting because you think it might make a difference or is what's driving your decision that you want to hear yourself talking so other people can know how smart you are. Then let's look at a little bit more of an extreme situation. Instead of talking about the person who's going to be standing up, giving that speech, giving that, that topic of discussion, who if the discussion itself, if the topic itself is not your intention, your intention is to look in front of the boss, look in front of coworkers, whatever it might be. What about that person who's sitting down? That person who's just a little too hesitant to raise their hand. What is what yeah. what can they start doing for themselves to change their perspective? Okay, so that's such a good question because that is the more common every day, right. right? Hesitating to take action. Right. But again, we're and I know we we mentioned this just a moment ago, but hesitating to take action is coming from that place of what are they gonna think? Mm. Or more importantly, it's coming from a place of what am I going to think about myself if I raise my hand and look stupid? Yeah. It's not even what they're going to think, but what it is, is that you're afraid that if you raise your hand, do the wrong thing, look stupid, mm. that you're going to make it a death sentence for your self-esteem, right? So you're getting right. really significant about yourself in that moment. And I know in that moment, you're not thinking about it that way. In that moment, you're thinking, ah. And the funny thing is we get really good at talking ourselves out of it using logic. Yeah. Like oh, it's not that important. Everybody already knows that, you know what? I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> right. So one of the things I, I encourage people to do is to actually ask the question from that perspective. If you think everybody already knows is saying, Hey, we might have already covered this, but how are we going to address A, B, and C? Or, right. you know, this might already be resolved, but what was the decision on, on blah, blah, blah. Because let me tell you, nine out of 10 times, there's at least one other person in the room who's asking the exact same question. Mm. So pose the question. There is no harm in posing the question, especially when you're approaching it from that place of curiosity and wanting to understand and contribute. Right. So even if you're wrong, mm. you know, go ahead and pose the question, open the door to that conversation because there's a good chance you're opening the door to that better solution, that better outcome. So how can you ask the question? Would you say that it is better to ask the question and risk the not looking stupid? Because I don't think anybody actually looks at anybody else and goes, what a stupid question that was. Is it better to ask or is it better to just sit and be quiet? I think it's better to ask. Right. I think, yeah, yeah, I yeah. Think yeah, I think it's always better to ask. Now, granted, you know, let's be clear. If you're asking because you didn't read the pre-read for the meeting, you know, don't be yeah. a numbskull. Do the pre-read, right? Because <laughs> you don't want to set yourself up that way either, right? So right. handle your business. But 
you show up, you're an intelligent working human being, you know, they, they, they hired you for a reason for your contribution and ability to support those outcomes. So ask the question, bring up the topic, just say, Hey, I just want to make sure I'm clear, right? Mm -hmm. How are we approaching this? Or I've seen some road bumps in this area in my past life. How are we addressing them here? Or I understand there was a recent change that might impact this. This is why what I heard. Did you guys hear the same thing? Right. There's so many ways of of posing it that the right. answer might just be, oh yeah, we already incorporated that. Or you know what? No, let's look into that a little bit more. And that's all right. Mm-hmm. Right. You're not there to save the day, but you're definitely not there to hide and cower, right? And keep your brilliance to yourself. Right. That's not, not what they brought you in for. Yeah. That's not what you're in it for. It's better to be remembered for asking a, a driving question than it is to not be remembered at all. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yeah. 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 That's a good way to put it. And the thing is, here's the thing, Rich, when we make decisions out of fear, we always think it's going to have us feel more safe. So for example, you're in the meeting, you're sitting on your hands, you're biting your lip, you're not saying anything. Yep. And then you walk out and you're like, okay, yeah, I, I didn't say anything, so that's fine. I didn't look stupid. But now at the next meeting, you're even less likely to say anything because mm-hmm. all of a sudden, that decision you made out of fear to not contribute, even though you knew you had something to add, right, is just going to be reinforced. And now you're almost more finely tuned into anything that can possibly go wrong, any, any criticism that might come up or the possibility that it might sound silly or be unnecessary. You're even more finely tied tied into that. So next time, you're even less likely to contribute. You're even less likely to to point out a clarification that could actually make the difference. So go ahead and ask. And if you're really concerned, come up with a couple of questions in advance. You know, even saying, hey, I just want to make sure I go back to what are we thinking is most important here for this outcome? Or we talked about three priorities. If we had to choose one, what might be the one that makes the biggest difference? Right. So walk in having considered a couple of clarifying questions that, you know, can support other people as well. You know, you don't have to leave it to yourself to come up with something on the spot necessarily if you're just learning to get engaged and share at that level. But come up with a couple of, of good questions that you would ask. Now, what makes this more important than this? Just so that I'm clear. For those people who are trying to build that up within themselves. I'm certain one of the bigger fears that they have is that they're going to look overconfident, that they're going to look almost braggadocious. How can you recognize when you're going in that direction and how can you assure yourself you're not? Yeah, you know, and maybe I oversimplify this, but I think if you're making it about yourself, there's a good chance you're going to come off as, you know, as a braggart or as, you know, arrogant or whatever the case is. When you're making it about the outcome or about them, there's almost nothing you can say that's going to come off as arrogant, right? I've known so many people throughout the years, and maybe it's just my career choice, that the career path that I've taken, but I've met so many people for whom they are very knowledgeable about whatever aspects we might be talking, but they still manage to make it sound like it's about them. How do we make sure we don't become those people? Because they're, it is always amazing to me how much they don't realize it's so obvious that they're trying to shine the spotlight on themselves while even talking about a topic they might not be fully invested in. 
Yeah. Yeah. That is a, that is another side of yeah. low confidence, right? Like bravado. Right. Right. right? It's that, that kind of thing. So either you're going to like hiding and trying to get out of the crosshairs or to the bravado and let me be the biggest, scariest thing in the room. Mm. Yeah. Both of those are coming from that place of fear, but the bravado just has a lot more ego wrapped up into it. Okay. I don't know. When we find ourselves reactivated, and here's the thing, and when you're making those decisions out of ego, you're going to notice you're quickly reactivated. And what I mean by that is that as soon as somebody asks a a question that might be potentially critical or questions anything you say, Mm -hmm. you're all in a fluster and you're defensive, right? That's how you know you've made it about you. I remember doing this like literally all the time. I would not only be tremendously embarrassed if anybody asked me a question, but then I would take it personally. Right. As though the question they asked about my project was somehow an indictment on me. Isn't that weird? Because <laughs> it had nothing to do with each other. Yeah. But that's how it was landing. And that's yeah. that was kind of my trigger that, okay, something is weird here because it wasn't about that. I actually want people to ask questions. Mm. So what's going on inside of me that's having me feel like I need to deflect and defend and have the last word? Right. If you're in that place, if you feel like you always need to have the last word, always need to look the best or look good, yeah. we got to catch ourselves. We got to get better at noticing when we're doing those things. And and um, God, I know we only have so much amount of time, but I yeah. I always go to that we're not taught to think about our thinking. Mm. We need to think about our thinking. The quality of our thinking matters but we're not taught to think about the quality of our thinking. We think that because it showed up in our brains, it must be true. That is not correct. And we see this, right, all the time when right. people are doing things and you're thinking, what were they? <laughs> right? I, I liken it to like drinking and dialing. If anybody knows what drinking and dialing is, when you've had yep. a, maybe one too many, and at that point it sounds like the perfect time to call like, your boss, your ex, your your <laughs> former friend to tell them exactly what you think about them. And you feel certain, like it makes perfect sense. Yeah, I, I needed to be this brave all along. And then the next day, right, you look back yeah. and you're like, what was I thinking? But that's because we can't tell when the quality of our thinking is compromised. So what I, I encourage people to do is, you know, we can't tell when the quality of our thinking is compromised but we always seem to know how we feel. And we're so funny that way. Mm. Like we know when we're kind of defensive and reactivated and all of a sudden our faces are all hot and flushed and, and you know, we're, we're tightening up. We do seem to notice that. Yeah. So when we feel that happening, there's a good chance the quality of our thinking is compromised. Okay. So hold up. Let's go from the other direction here. I'm management in a company. And I know that I have good people who have great ideas. I see it in them, but I also see them struggling to bring it out. How can I help them? And even let's even let's be more personal to me because I have so many events now, especially going back to live events where I have the client contact saying, help me bring these people out of their shell. Yeah. How do we do it? Yeah. What's the key? Gosh, you got to You got to find out what's actually important to them. Mm. What's actually important to them? What's going on in there? Because especially if you can see their brilliance, right? You can see their brilliance. And so what is that? What sparked that? How did they get interested in this to begin with? Mm. But when people are particularly afraid and and kind of in that that hiding mode because they're making decisions out of fear, I always say you got to make it not about them. 
You got to make their ability to engage, not about them, but entirely about the project entirely about, you know, what are, what are some things we might be not be seeing now or whatever the case might be, the conversation is that there is to be had, but it can't be about them. And that's a challenge when you're trying to interview somebody and it's about them. Right. Right. But when you make it about the thing they're passionate about, the thing that they work on, the, the place where they have expertise, you can start, I think it kind of opens the door to teasing that out of them mm. because there's, there's, it's going to be difficult to get people. They, they We can't just magically turn that on. Right. Right. And right. be able to completely show up confidently when we didn't feel that to begin with. It's yeah. something that's practiced and developed. That said, when it's not about us, we're probably much more able to contribute and to have a meaningful conversation. It always seems to come down to successes. When you have someone who tries something and it succeeds for them, they get a little more self-confidence and onward and onward and onward. Is there ways a manager to help them along that route? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, be willing to catch them winning and be willing to catch them almost winning. Right. Right. Because there's a real power in saying, God, that was almost perfect. Look, let's sit down because there are a couple of places I think this can improve. Right. Like that was like, who doesn't want to hear that? That that was amazing. And I think it's going to go over the top if we're able to tweak this. But be willing to catch people almost winning. The problem is we're more prone to catch people slightly missing yeah. than almost winning, right? So as a boss, be willing to catch people almost winning. Is there a way to identify an almost miss as an almost win? Can we just reorder the wording a bit to make it sound like that was an excellent chance you took or an excellent choice? How about we try it this way, though? Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely okay. right. I think that's absolutely right. It's just here. It was so close. Or, you know, that was pretty good, but it would be even more effective if we did this. I've never had to do this as management back when I was doing management for for security work in a corporate environment. But as a performer, as a director, as a lead actor, what have you, I have always said to everybody to just like take time and be stupid. You have to learn to not be afraid of looking stupid. Understand that sometimes looking stupid is exactly what is needed. Yes. And then you get to, if you can flourish while feeling stupid, it is the fastest way to get out of your own head. Yes, I love that so much. And I agree, I agree. And the thing is, at some point you actually stop feeling stupid because again, stupid, right? That experience feeling stupid is just how you're perceiving other people are perceiving you. Correct, right. 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 Yep. And so the, and the longer we stay in that space, the more we, we feel that experience. But at some point you stop worrying about how other people are perceiving you and start thinking about what you're there to deliver, what you're trying to contribute. Is there a corporate level to that? Because I have literally had people walk around like imbeciles. I have had people walk around with the silliest, most nonsensical stuff, either coming out of their mouths or out of their bodies, just as a way to get people to open up and relax. What kind of corporate measures can we take along those ways? Oh my gosh, to get people to open up and relax? I think, well, you gotta make it safe. So I mean, in all all fairness, when we're talking about the corporate environment, what is happening that has people default to believing that they're not safe? 
default to believing that they need to withhold. Mm. What's having them default to believing that they can't show you who they are or that they're not allowed to make a mistake, mm. right? So this sometimes it's something that, you know, we created in our brains. We're bringing some past kind of workplace trauma with us, right? right? So in all fairness, sometimes that's what it is. But sometimes there's actually, oftentimes there really is something in the environment. So what's happening there? You guys need to play more together. You guys need to eat more together, right? Okay. What is happening that people are feeling like they need to hide? Like they need to, you know, withhold their ideas for fear of looking stupid Mm. or feeling stupid or being told they're, you know, somehow uh, ill-prepared or whatever the case is. So what is happening in the environment? Because, I mean, you got to think about this. If you're not willing to allow people to look stupid, you're also not willing to allow people to do the incredible because you're not allowing them to innovate. You're not allowing them to take chances and go out there and do amazing things. So what is happening in this environment that's not allowing people to take chances? Let's now look at modern workplace because I have had so many clients who are still in a hybrid model. And that seems yeah. to be the way everybody is staying. But it's so much easier when half of your meetings or three quarters of your meetings even are on Zoom or some other you know posted site where you're just another one inch little box, one inch square box sitting on a screen. What kind of clues can we give people right now to say you can act and look more confident just by doing this online? Ooh, okay. I got to be honest. I'm not big on trying to act and look confident because I think that that's actually, that's actually the source of the imposter syndrome epidemic in, gotcha. my, in my mind. Okay. Right. Okay. Good. I'm not big on acting and looking confident. Okay. What I am big on is understanding what's most important here and why am I here? So what is that that's actually most important there? And what does that encourage you to do in the meeting? How does that encourage you to show up in the meeting in order to be able to kind of live into that? But really, I would almost, if you're really wrapped up in your head, mm-hmm. maybe you can even turn it into a game. I know we were just talking about play and you guys like are masters of play. Yep, yep. <laughs> but even turning it into a game, like um, when I was in, in consulting and, and project management, one of the, I always used to say that there was this one tool that if you took away all of my other tools, I could be successful with this one tool. Okay. And what the, the, the tool was, it was like a stakeholder agenda, so to speak, tool, right? right? So it was a stakeholder log. And all that did was that tool, we used it in order to understand not only who the different players were, but were, what some of their agendas and perspectives were. So you could almost turn it into a game and sit in that meeting in your one inch box and listen and watch for everybody else's agenda. Turn it into a game and just see what you learn as a result of doing that. But what you do is, again, you get yourself kind of out of your head of thinking about yourself and really trying to understand what other people are and are not trying to accomplish, where you have conflicting agendas that might have not been brought to the surface yet, but Mm -hmm. show up and engage. And that's just, you know, one of those silly games you can play to engage that has nothing to do yet with raising your hand. It makes you that much smarter, right? Because when you understand what other people are up to, what they're really trying to make happen, you can contribute and collaborate at a higher level. Fantastic. Azia, I hate that this show is so short. 
I know we're even going long. My producer has been screaming on my chat that we're running long. And yet we could just, I could follow you down this rabbit hole all day. But instead, we started talking about games. So get ready. Because once again, it's time for you to face my speed round. You know how this works from before, Ozzy. 60 seconds. I'm going to put on a nice little piece of music that runs for 60 seconds. And then in that time, you're going to try to answer as many innocuous questions as you can. First thing comes off the top of your head. Okay. Again. Okay. Don't be afraid to sound stupid. <laughs> that's the only that's the only thing I can say. It's <laughs> All right, my friend. If you are ready, let's begin. What's your name? Asia. Do you have any nicknames? Uh Gotti. If you could pick a nickname for yourself, what would you like it to be? Uh Aussie Bear. Who's the funniest person you know? Oh my gosh. Uh, that I know? <laughs> First person up ahead. Come on. Ass. Okay. okay. What's your favorite thing about your grandparents? All the stories I hear from my other relatives. How are we feeling about this interview? Fantastic. <laughs> What's your favorite smell in the world? Coffee. Give me one word to describe your family. Aww. Love you. What's your favorite time of day? Noon. What's your favorite season? Fall. I'll give it to you because it came out. You're still a 10, though. <laughs> it's still a 10. You tied yourself. Congratulations. <laughs> Ozzie, again, thank you so much. Can I call you Ozzie Bear? Is that okay? <laughs> sure you could try that used to be my nickname in high school (laughs) (laughs) Ozia thank you so much for coming out team once again give a big round of applause to Ozia Bribieska Hadeen (laughs) and as always Ozia is there any place that anyone can find you if like they for example need some help with leadership or getting themselves into a better position as leaders yes definitely reach out to me schedule time to connect you can go to leadershipdivision.com that's probably the easiest place online to find me leadershipdivision.com and uh, you can connect there but where i'm active all day every day linkedin go ahead and connect with me there and you know sit down on one of my next free programs in fact i have a free leadership boot camp coming up in december free awesome. five-day strategic leadership boot camp you can sign up for that on linkedin as well so check that out fantastic thank you Azia. and for you all my friends there we go that's yet another episode of team building saves the world if you've enjoyed this episode whether you're new to the podcast or an old fan of the show please be sure to share it with everyone that you know whether they're a co-worker a friend a family member it just helps us to share all of this vital information you can find out all about us including our past episodes at teambonding.com slash podcast you can also find us wherever you find your favorite podcasts Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you go to listen, we will be there. And if we're not there, I want you to go on the social medias. Find us at Team Bond Podcast. Tell us where we're not, because I want to be there. I want to be where you're listening. And you know why you're on those social medias? Why don't you go ahead and leave us a comment. Tell us what you like about the show. Tell us what you didn't like about the show. Tell us about a future topic you would love us to tackle. I want you to be a part of our team, and that's how best you can do it. 
All right, my friends, before this, we say our final farewells for another episode of Team Building Saves the World. Please never forget, wherever you are in the world, if you are within the sound of my voice, you're on my team now, and I am forever going to be on yours. So long, team. I'll see you next time. said that you learn more about a person in an hour of play than in a year of conversation. So why not put your co-workers to play with the help of the team at Team Bonding? Team Bonding was founded over 20 years ago with one simple question. How can employees have a great time while fostering strong, authentic bonds between people who work together? Their catalog of innovative events includes scavenger hunts, Jeopardy, and much more. Each activity, whether live, virtual, or hybrid, maximizes the impact of team building with an accent on fun. Visit teambonding.com to schedule your event now. Team Bonding, when you want seriously fun results.